Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Hillsdale College has been a longtime sponsor of the broadcast. And for the new year, they've graciously agreed to exclusively sponsor the first hour or segment of the podcast. I believe deeply in the principles and mission of Hillsdale College, which I share with you during the upcoming segment. My thanks and appreciation to Hillsdale College for their long partnership with the show. And now, the podcast. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Many of you have relatives who fought in World War II. Many of you have relatives who fought in Europe against the Third Reich. This nation pulled all its resources together, sent hundreds and hundreds of thousands of men to battle the Third Reich, and of course the Japanese and the Italians. But the Third Reich, Adolf Hitler, we talk about D-Day, we talk about the Battle of the Bulge. This is our history. This is our hard-won history. We are a people, we are a nation that when pushed and shoved and bullied enough, we stand up to tyranny. As The American GI crossed Europe. They came across something so horrific that many of these tough, battle-hardened men were driven to their knees, crying, turning away. They couldn't see what was before them. They wouldn't look. It was too much. They saw ovens with human skeletons in them. And the human skeletons showed human beings with their mouths wide open, screaming in unimaginable pain. They saw gas chambers built as showers. As the death camps got better and better at killing people. Mass graves right to the end where people were lined up naked and machine gunned down after having dug their own graves. They saw photos and videos of little babies grabbed by their feet and swung into walls so their brains would splatter. They saw men and women who were so emaciated that they were bone and skin No muscle, no fat. 
Eisenhower could not believe his eyes. He was so horrified that he called in the Western media and he told them, I want you to take pictures of this. I want you to take movies of this. I don't want the world to forget this. I don't want there to be deniers 50 years from now. The media, which had sat on its hands all through the Holocaust, Eisenhower wouldn't tolerate it. Then he went into some of these camps with George Patton, with Omar Bradley. Patton was so disgusted he threw up. He threw up at what he was looking at. Tough men. Tough men who'd seen everything, but they'd never seen this. And Eisenhower, of course, not only never forgot it, he never stopped stopped talking about it. We are a magnificent country. We are a magnificent people. And so many of our brave men and women in this country put their lives on the line for people they don't even know. Our military knows right from wrong, though. It knows good from evil. So do we, the American people, Jew, Gentile, atheist, doesn't matter. Horror is horror. Inhumanity is inhumanity. The Jews would eventually try to find their own homeland, in part to protect themselves from something like this ever happening again. To protect themselves, to create a country, a civil society with a military. So the same bigots and anti-Semites and Jew haters who have followed them for thousands of years, this time would have a fight on their hands. When you look at this tiny little country of Israel, the countries around it, Arab Muslim countries have tried repeatedly to wipe it and the people there off the face of the earth. And in each attempt, they have failed. In each attempt, they have failed. Nobody's tried to wipe Egypt off the face of the earth. Nobody's tried to wipe Saudi Arabia off the face of the earth. Nobody's tried to wipe Jordan off the face of the earth. Nobody's tried to wipe Syria off the face of the earth. Nobody's tried to wipe Lebanon off the face of the earth and on and on. But Israel, because it's populated with Jews, is to be wiped off the face of the earth. So says the Iranian regime. So say the various terrorist organizations. And so says members of the Democrat Party are in the United States Congress, led by Ilhan Omar, a Somalian Islamic Muslim, who has challenged time and again the right of the State of Israel to exist, as has 
her colleague, Talib, as has her colleague, Ocasio-Cortez, the three. And they speak in terms that are unequivocal. That are unequivocal. About the Jewish people. The Jews. And dual loyalty. And money. All the things the Nazis spoke about as they sought power. As they gained power. As they launched Kristallnacht. As they burned down their equivalent of the Congress and took power. This is Representative Omar's mindset and mentality. This is what she's been taught. Same with Talib. And unfortunately, same with Ocasio-Cortez. And these individuals are being defended by other Democrats, not a single Republican in the United States Congress. Democrats who've honored, if not worshipped, Farrakhan, who has also called for the annihilation of the Jews, as well as the white man. And then when you look at the media, the New York Times, Politico, the Washington Post, and others, it's just another day in liberal media for them. They must defend the party. The party means everything. As it did in Germany. As it did in the Soviet Union. As it does in Cuba. As it does in Nicaragua. As it does in Venezuela. As it does in China. As it does in North Korea. The party means everything. Not the country. Not the people. The party. It is a totalitarian mindset. Now the United States House of Representatives just voted on what they call a non-binding resolution. 407 to 23. A dozen or so Republicans voted against it. Because they thought it was a whitewash. Which it is. And already the New York Times, Politico, and the Washington Post are trying to suggest that those Republicans voted against a resolution that opposes anti-Semitism. That is how vile and propagandistic our media have become. This resolution, cobbled together by the Democrat Party leadership, which includes Jewish Americans, did not condemn Omar, Talib, Ocasio-Cortez, It did not condemn anti-Semitism, qua anti-Semitism. You know what it condemned? The American people. It condemned the American people as an anti-Semitic people, which we are not. 
as a racist people, which we are not, as a homophobic people, which we are not, and down the list. And down the list. All the rising racism and anti-Semitism, on and on and on. The Hate America Democrats passed a resolution telling you that America sucks. And I'm telling you, as an American Jew, I pray to God every day and thank him for being a child of this country, as we all do, from all walks of life. This is not about America. This is about Islamic fundamentalists who have now, as a result of our immigration policies and lack of assimilation, been elected to the United States House of Representatives. They hate America, they hate Jews, and they hate the state of Israel. That's a fact. That is a fact. I'll be right back. Lovin. I want to thank our sponsor, Hillsdale College, for all they do to try and maintain the greatness of America. You know, most colleges have enough trouble maintaining the greatness on their own campuses, and they have declined, and they have fallen into cultural rot. Not Hillsdale College. It's a special place. And now they reach out to all citizens of the country to spread the word of liberty, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, capitalism, all the great things that make America what she is today. And now that Congress is under new leadership, it already seems to be on a mission to thwart our liberty, doesn't it? Yours and mine. But too many representatives don't know how to preserve liberty, and too many of them don't care. We call them progressives. But I'm not interested in the progressives. I'm interested in you, we the people. It's up to we the people to retain what we have earned and to retain what we have received from our founding fathers. And our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check. And being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. That's why for a limited time, my good friends at Hillsdale have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free, to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. Hillsdale is on a mission to restore liberty like the rest of us. And you can take their excellent online course for free for a limited time. Sign up today for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore. Learn about liberty, the Declaration, the Constitution. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. We're going to do something very unusual this hour. President Donald Trump. This is part of the same mentality, the same demagoguery and propaganda from the left, media or otherwise. Back in August of 2017, on October 15th, he had questions and answers with the media, in part about Charlottesville. And it is during the course of the back and forth with the questions that the media keep telling you that Donald Trump demonstrated that he's a racist. The morning schmo points this out. Democrats, journalist types keep pointing to Charlottesville as evidence that Donald Trump is a racist. 
I want you to stick with me. I can start now, but it's going to go through the next segment. I'm going to read to you exactly the back and forth. The same media outlets that spin on behalf of the three David Duke Democrats spin against Donald Trump. The Never Trumpers love this stuff. They even create their own website and they push it. They're as dishonest as the left. They have abandoned conservatism and they did a long time ago. Donald Trump is not a racist. So let's start now. Let's start now. We'll read every single word of what was said. And then you can draw your own conclusions about the president and the media. Let's start with the reporter. Why did you wait so long to denounce neo-Nazis? This is at Charlottesville. I didn't wait long, he said. I didn't wait long. I didn't wait long. I wanted to make sure, unlike most politicians, that what I said was correct, not make a quick statement. The statement I made on Saturday, the first statement, was a fine statement. But you don't make statements that direct unless you know the facts. It takes a little while to get the facts. You still don't know the facts. It is a very, very important process to me. It is a very important statement. So I don't want to go quickly and just make a statement for the sake of making a political statement. I want to know the facts. If you go back to my statement, in fact, I brought it. I brought it. As I said, and remember this, Saturday, we condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence. It is no place in America. And then I went on from there. Now, here's the thing. Excuse me, because they keep interrupting him. Excuse me. Take it nice and easy. Here's the thing. When I make a statement, I like to be correct. I want the facts. This event had just happened. A lot of the event didn't happen yet as we were speaking. This event just happened. Before I make a statement, I need the facts, so I don't want to rush into a statement. So making the statement when I made it was excellent. In fact, the young woman, who I hear is a fantastic young woman, and it was on NBC. Her mother wrote me and said through, I guess, Twitter, social media, the nicest things. I believe this is the woman who was run down and killed. And I very much appreciated that. I assure she was a fine, uh, let's see here, really actually an incredible young woman. But her mother on Twitter thanked me for what I said. Honestly, if the press were not fake, and if it was honest, the press would have said what I said was very nice. Excuse me. Unlike you and unlike the media, before I make a statement, I like to know the facts. See how they keep trying to pull him into a controversy. So the reporters are yelling. He says, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't. It's, it's a little difficult to know right now. Trump says, how about, how about, how about a couple of infrastructure questions? Reporter, was that terrorism? What? Says Trump. Now we're going to go on. We haven't gotten to the money paragraph yet. Stay with me. This is about Charlottesville. Looking back, about 18 months, what exactly did the president say? I'll be right back. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, it appears that the new congressional leadership is on a course to impede our liberty, your liberty and mine and the future liberty of your children and your grandchildren. Many of our representatives simply don't understand or care about the critical imperative to preserve our liberty. And it would seem that some of these so-called progressives actually seek to kill it. And these progressives are quite unlikely to understand or learn these things, which is why we have to. We need to overcome them. Our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check and be being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. Now, to help us understand this critical issue for a limited time, my friends at Hillsdale College have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. I encourage you to check out this course, but not just you, your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors. Spread the word of liberty like Hillsdale College is. Hillsdale is on an important mission to restore liberty in our great country. And for a limited time, you can take their excellent and enlightening online courses for free. I urge you to sign up right now for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't work anymore. Learn more about liberty. Spread the word. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. So we're going to get to the bottom of this Charlottesville statement because uh, it's never presented in a fulsome way by the media. It's always hit and run. Turn up your volume. Let's go. We're going to expose the media for what the media are. Again, in the middle of this press conference. Trump. Let's see. He was having a press conference with CEOs and so forth. And he says, the reporter, the CEO of Walmart said, you missed a critical opportunity to help bring the country together. Did you? Not at all, he says. I think the country, look, you take a look. I've created over a million jobs since I've been president. The country is booming. The stock market's setting records. We have the highest employment numbers we've ever had in the history of our country. We're doing record business. We have the highest levels of enthusiasm. So the head of Walmart, who I know, who's a very nice guy, was making a political statement. I mean, I would do it the same way. You know why? Because I want to make sure when I make a statement that the statement is correct. And there was no way, no way of making a correct statement that early. I had to see the facts. Unlike a lot of reporters, unlike a lot of reporters. I didn't know David Duke was there. I wanted to see the facts. And the facts, as they started coming out, were very well stated. In fact, everybody said his statement was beautiful. If you would have made it sooner, that would have been, no, that would have been good. But I couldn't have made it sooner because I didn't know all the facts. So he's saying this over and over again. Frankly, people still don't know all the facts. It was very important. Excuse me. Excuse me. He's being interrupted. It was very important to me to get the facts out correctly because I would have made a fast statement and the first statement was made without knowing much other than what we were seeing. The second statement was made after it, it had, we had knowledge, with great knowledge. There are still things, excuse me, there are still things that people don't know. I want to make a statement with knowledge. I wanted to know the facts, okay? Reporter, two questions. Was this terrorism? And can you tell us how you are feeling about your chief strategist, Steve Bannon? Well, what did Steve Bannon have to do with anything? 
Trump. I think the driver of the car is a disgrace to himself, his family, and this country. And that is, you can call it terrorism, you can call it murder, you can call it whatever you want. I would just call it as the fastest one to come up with a good verdict. That's what I'd call it. And there is a question. Is it murder? Is it terrorism? Then you get into legal semantics. The driver of the car is a murderer. And what he did was horrible, horrible, inexcusable. Can you tell us how you're feeling about your chief strategist, Mr. Bannon? Can you talk about that, Steve Bannon? I never spoke to Steve Bannon about it. Report it. Can you tell us broadly about Can you Can you still have confidence in Steve? So they get into Bannon. Let's see here. Trump. Senator McCain said that the alt-right is behind these attacks, and he linked that same group to those that perpetrated the attack in Charlottesville. Trump. Well, I don't know. I can't tell you. I'm sure Senator McCain must know what he's talking about. But when you say the alt-right, define the alt-right to me. You define it. Go ahead. Define it for me. Come on. Let's go. Senator McCain defined them as the same group. Trump, okay. What about the alt-left? That came charging in. Excuse me. What about the alt-left? They came charging at the, as you say, alt-right. Do they have any semblance of guilt? What about this? What about the fact that they came charging in? He's talking about Antifa. They came charging with clubs in their hands, swinging clubs. Do they have any problem? I think they do. And the reporters are yelling, and they say indistinctively, so they're yelling over each other. Trump, as far as I'm concerned, that was a horrible, horrible day. Wait a minute. I'm not finished. I'm not finished, fake news. That was a horrible day. Reporters keep yelling indistinctively, the transcript says. Trump, I will tell you something. I watched those very closely, much more closely than you people watched it. And you had, you had a group on one side that was bad. You had a group on the other side that was also very violent. And nobody wants to say that, but I'll say it right now. You had a group, you had a group on the other side that came charging in without a permit. They were very, very violent. Reporter, do you think what you call the alt-left is the same as neo-Nazis? Those people, all those people, excuse me, I've condemned neo-Nazis. I've condemned many different groups, but not all of those people were neo-Nazis. Believe me, not all those people were white supremacists by any stretch. Now, remember what was going on. People were protesting the pulling down of... uh, a certain Confederate statue. And of course you had the neo-Nazis and the Klan that showed up. You had Antifa show up, but you actually had people earnestly protesting one way or the other. That's what he's talking about. They weren't all neo-Nazis and they weren't all Antifa. Let's see here. Those people, and oh, and the reporter, well, white nationalists, Trump, those people were also there. Because they wanted to protest the taking down of a statute of Robert E. Lee. So excuse me. And you take a look at some of the groups and you see and you know if you were honest reporters, which in many cases you're not, many of those people were there to protest the taking down of the statute of Robert E. Lee. So this week it's Robert E. Lee. I noticed that Stonewall Jackson's coming down. I wonder, is it George Washington next week? Is it Thomas Jefferson the week after? You know, you really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? which is a perfectly legitimate statement. We used to call this actually a civil libertarian statement. Free speech. Those statues aren't necessarily there to honor some of these people. Those statues are there because that's our history. It goes on. Does the statue, the reporter asked, does the statue of Robert E. Lee stay up? Trump, 
I would say that it's up to the local town, community, or federal government, depending on where it's located. Are you against the Confederacy? Listen to these questions by these reporters. On race relations in America, the reporter says, do you think things have gotten worse or better since you took office with regard to race relationships? Trump. I think they've gotten... They never asked this of Obama, who was race-baiting left and right and turning American against American. Do you notice? But let's go on. And notice they'll never say it to... Ocasio-Cortez, or Talib or Omar. Never. They'll never be questioned. And yet they're flat-out bigots, and they're proud of it. Trump, I think they've gotten better or the same. Look, they've been frayed for a long time, and you can ask President Obama about that because he'd make speeches about it. I believe that the fact that I brought in, it will, it will soon be millions of jobs, you see where companies are moving back into our country. I think that's going to have a tremendous positive impact on race relations. We have companies coming back into our country. We have two car companies that just announced. We have Foxconn in Wisconsin just announced. We have many companies. I'd say pouring back into the country, I think that's going to have a huge positive impact on race relations. You know why? It's jobs. What people now want, they want jobs. They want great jobs with good pay. And when they have that, you watch how race relations will be. And I'll tell you, we're spending a lot of money on the inner cities. We're fixing the inner cities. We're doing far more than anybody has done with respect to inner cities. It's a priority for me, and it's very important. Reporter, Mr. President, are you putting what you're calling the alt-left and white supremacists on the same moral plane? Listen to this. Trump, I am not putting anybody on a moral plane. What I'm saying is this. You had a group on one side and a group on the other. And they came at each other with clubs. And it was a vicious, horrible, and it was a horrible thing to watch. But there's another side. There was a group on this side. You can call them the left. You've just called them the left. They came violently attacking the other group. And again, he means Antifa. So you can say what you want, but that's the way it is. Reporter, you said there was hatred and violence on both sides. Trump, I think there is blame, yes. I think there's blame on both sides. You look at it. You look at both sides. I think there's blame on both sides, and I have no doubt about it. And you don't have any doubt about it either. And if you reported it accurately, you would say so. Reporter, the neo-Nazis started this thing. They showed up in Charlottesville. Trump, excuse me. They didn't put themselves down as neo-Nazis. In other words, write in, I'm a neo-Nazi. And you had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down, the taking down, very, very important statue, and the remaining of uh, in the park, and the renaming of the park from Robert E. Lee to another name. Reporter, George Washington and Robert E. Lee are not the same. Oh, no, George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to... So Trump is making the case for not tearing down these statues. He's not making the case for the Klan or the neo-Nazis. Is he, Mr. Producer? He's rejecting them. But he's saying there's good people on both sides. He means the protesters. He doesn't mean the Klansmen and the neo-Nazis and Antifa. It couldn't be more clear. Are we going to take down... Are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down his statue? He was a major slave owner. Are we going to take down his statue? You know what? 
It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group, other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group also, you had some fine people, but you had troublemakers. And you see them come with black outfits and Antifa again, and with helmets and with the baseball bats. You had a lot of bad people in the other group, too. Reporter, I just didn't understand what you were saying. You were saying the press had treated white nationalists unfairly. Now look how they try and taunt him and put words in his mouth. When I return, I will continue. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The new congressional leadership is in town, but there's nothing new about what they're pushing. Big government, centralized government, iron-fisted government, higher taxes, more regulations, open borders. They're on a mission to obstruct our freedom and undermine our sovereignty. Yours, mine, all of ours. And too many representatives don't care. This is the nature of progressivism. It's an ideological poison. And the best way to fight it is with knowledge, information about liberty, about the Declaration, about the Constitution, and how Congress is supposed to work. It's up to we, the people, to understand what our government is and is not supposed to do. And that includes Congress. And thankfully, my good friends at Hillsdale College have brought back the powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress, and it's absolutely free. Please take advantage of this remarkable offer to equip yourself, your family, your friends, your neighbors, with the knowledge that all of us should have about our Congress and our government generally. Hillsdale College is on a critical mission to restore liberty in our great country. And you can take their excellent online courses for free for a limited time. So sign up right now for this important course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore so we can do something about it. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. finish this this hour, I'm going to do my best. There's not a thing so far, not a thing the president said that can be objectively or honestly construed as supporting neo-Nazis or Klansmen. Not a thing. And then we'll finish it up. Reporter, I just didn't understand what you were saying. Of course, the reporter did, but you were saying the press has treated white nationalists unfairly? Trump, no, no. There were people in that rally, and I looked the night before. If you look, there were people protesting very quietly. They're taking down the statue of Robert E. Lee. I'm sure in that group there were some very bad, bad ones. The following day, it looked like they had some rough, bad people, neo-Nazis, white nationalists, whatever you want to call them. But you had a lot of people in that group that were there to innocently protest and very legally protest because, you know, I don't know if you know, but they had a permit. Now, he's talking about people who are legitimately in support of retaining the statues. The other group didn't have a permit. He means Antifa. So I can only tell you this. There are two sides to a story. I thought what took place was a horrible moment for our country, a horrible moment. But there are two sides to the country. Does anybody have a final, does anybody have a final question? You have an infrastructure question? And it goes on, and then, Mr. President, have you spoken to the family of the victim of the car attack? No, but I'll be reaching out. I'll be reaching out. When will you be reaching out? I thought that the statement I put out, the mother's statement that she put out, I thought that was a beautiful statement. And I'll tell you, 
It was something that I really appreciated. I thought it was terrific. And really, under the kind of stress that she's under and the heartache she's under, I thought putting out that statement to me was really something I won't forget. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Reporter, do you plan to go to Charlottesville, Mr. President? Trump, did you know I own a house there? It's in Charlottesville. Oh, boy, it's in Charlottesville. You'll see. Is that the winery or something? It is. It is the winery. Reporters yelling. I mean, I know a lot about Charlottesville. Charlottesville is a great place that's been very badly heard over the last couple of days. I own actually one of the largest wineries in the United States. It's in Charlottesville. What do you think needs to overcome the racial divides, Mr. President? I really think jobs are going to have a big impact if we continue to create jobs. All right, it goes on. Now, did any of you hear a racist comment where he is siding with the Klan or white supremacists? Did any of you hear that? So they twist what he says when he says the two groups, that there were some quiet protesters. They want you to believe that he's talking about Klansmen and neo-Nazis, the violent Klansmen and neo-Nazis, and the quiet Klansmen and neo-Nazis. Now, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said one group attacked another. Well, Antifa did attack first. Now, we all hope they kill each other, but that's beside the point. He wasn't siding with the neo-Nazis and the Klan. And he talked about who had the permit and so forth. How do you take from what I just read to you at great length, spending almost an entire hour on this program, and then say, Trump is a racist, remember Charlottesville. And you hear it on CNN, you hear it from their guests, their analysts, from the anchors, you hear the same thing on MSNBC, you hear it from Democrats on Capitol Hill. Yet, when we have three... Anti-Semites, three bigots who repeatedly, openly, unequivocally, laughingly spew poison, hate, anti-Semitism. They make excuses for them. They concoct a ridiculous resolution. The New York Times defends them. The Washington Post defends them. This is how tyranny grows and grows and grows right in front of your eyes, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Moments ago... A federal judge, reading from CNBC, sentenced President Donald Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, to serve 47 months in prison. Well, let's see. That is a little under four years. The decision from federal judge T.S. Ellis in Virginia comes less than a week before Manafort's second sentencing hearing in another case in Washington District Court. Both cases were brought on charges lodged by special counsel Robert Mueller and his ongoing probe of Russia's election meddling. Manafort, seated in a wheelchair and clad in a green prison jumpsuit during the hearing, spoke of the hardship he has faced as a prime figure. He said the last two years have been the most difficult for my family and I. He said as he, uh, he asked for compassion from the judge, to say I've been humiliated and ashamed would be a gross understatement, he said. And Manafort, you know, was convicted on... Uh, Let's see, uh, eight counts of bank fraud, tax fraud, 
failing to file a foreign bank account report, and so forth. Let's see. Just kind of trying to cut through the chase here. In the sentencing memo last week, Manafort's attorneys argued that Manafort, excuse me, uh, that Manafort should receive a sentence substantially below, listen to this, the 19 to 24 year length federal guidelines that the prosecutors were demanding. The prosecutors wanted 19 to 24 years. They got less than four. Ellis apparently agreed the guidelines were too high, calling the calculated range excessive. So Ellis said before delivering the sentence that he was surprised he did not hear Manafort express regret in his remarks. I thought he just did. They also accused the special counsel of attempting to vilify Mr. Manafort as a lifelong and irredeemable felon, as well as spreading misinformation about Mr. Manafort to impugn his character in a manner that this country has not experienced in decades. But Mueller countered in his filing Tuesday night that Manafort's request for leniency should be ignored at his sentencing, arguing that Manafort has not taken responsibility for his crime. Really, he's in solitary confinement. He's now in a wheelchair. He's lost his health. He's lost his money. I mean, I want you to think about this, folks. They wanted 19 to 23, 24 years, and the judge gives less than four. While Ellis had been often curt and impatient toward prosecutors during the three-week trial, most of his rulings before announcing Manafort's sentence appeared to favor the government's position. Ellis reportedly shot down multiple objections from Manafort's lawyers regarding a pre-sentence report prepared by federal probation officers. The judge also declined to give Manafort any credit for accepting responsibility for his crimes. Anyway, let's see. So Manafort gets less than four years. The, the prosecutors asked for 19 to 23 or 24 years. Still sentencing in D.C. where they have an Obama judge who hates Manafort. And also in New York, state authorities are wanting to charge Manafort too. Not Hillary Clinton, not Bill Clinton, not for all their sleazeball activity. No, 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 no. See, justice is blind in New York. It's blind to justice. That's a fact. All right, that's the latest. And it was 19 to 24 years that the... Uh, Prosecutors wanted, and, uh, and Manafort got uh, less than four. And then there's the uh, sentencing in the D.C. We'll see what the left-wing Obama judge does. Prosecutors have gotten pretty much everything they wanted from her. No, I'm not going to let go of the Democrat Party and the media so easily and run off into other areas. Virtually every single Democrat who's announced for the presidency has backed the anti-Semitic bigot, Omar. Virtually everyone. Virtually every major news outlet in the country has either backed or been relatively passive when it comes to Omar and her bigotry. And the Democrat Party covered for her today by drafting a resolution... That says everything and says nothing at the same time. Refusing to speak directly to her about her statements. She has said nothing that the 
top officials of the Third Reich wouldn't have said or agreed with. And I'm not kidding. She has said nothing that the top officials in Iran wouldn't have said. She has said nothing that the top terrorists, Hezbollah and Hamas, wouldn't have said. And the PLO and Abbas wouldn't have said. To be blunt, Ms. Omar is a lowlife. Not because of her religion, but because of her. Her own words, her own speech, her own conduct. And the Democrat Party followed her right into the sewer. Right into the sewer. There are times, ladies and gentlemen, when people have to have to choose sides between good and evil, when institutions have to choose sides between good and evil. Despite all its power in the House, all its powerful committee chairmen, many of whom are Jewish and from New York, the Democrat Party took a pass. And they want you to believe that this non-binding resolution, which condemns all kinds of isms, will do the trick, that you will now be persuaded. And as I said before, that resolution condemns America. It condemns Americans. It condemns us as racists, us as anti-Semites, us as Islamophobes, us as homophobes. We are none of those things. Congress does not take responsibility for its own conduct. Congress does not take responsibility for its members' conduct. Politics as usual. They think you're so stupid. The media think you're so stupid that they will continue to point to this as an act of of bravery. When it's an act of disgusting cowardice. When the institution of the House of Representatives... When the institution of the House of Representatives and when the Democrat Party, with its history, its pro-slavery history, its pro-segregation history, its pro-Jim Crow history, when that Democrat Party in modern America, in modern America, 75 years after the Holocaust, cannot muster the carriage cannot muster the unity within its ranks to call out a reprobate, then what the hell good is that party? The Democrat Party is not a moral party. It is not an ethical party. It is, as I've always said, a party that turns one American against another. A party that hypes hatred, racial and otherwise. And now, within its midst, because of our immigration policies, because of the Democrat Party hateful propaganda, it's created a few monsters. And we shouldn't be surprised. Tell me, has Nancy Pelosi ever denounced Louis Farrakhan? Has Stempy Hoyer ever denounced Louis Farrakhan? Has that jerk Clyburn who now attacks the children of Holocaust survivors. That's what he did today. 
Has he ever denounced Farrakhan? Has the Congressional Black Caucus ever denounced Farrakhan? Has the Congressional Progressive Caucus ever denounced Farrakhan? Never. Will any of the Democrat presidential candidates denounce Farrakhan? No. And to a person so far, they have defended Omar. Now, this is a party that has benefited overwhelmingly by the votes of Jewish Americans, by the donations of Jewish Americans. And so the question is, will they continue to support a party that doesn't even have the moral clarity to denounce an out-of-closet, proud Jew hater? Will they? The American people reject What's going on in the Democrat Party? Not all, but a lot. Reject it. And the reason why the media are playing cover for the Democrat Party is the reason why every election, the New York Times and Washington Post endorse Democrats. Because when you compare the record of Donald Trump in his dealings with Israel and Jews, when you compare the record of the Republican Party and their dealings with Israel and Jews... When you compare the record of the Republican Party, it is the Republican Party. It is conservatives who are righteous, who know history. It is conservatives, Trump, the Republican Party, that stands with Israel against Hezbollah, that stands with Israel against Iran, that stands with Israel against Hamas, that stands with Israel against terrorists within the Palestinian movement, including Abbas. It is conservatives, Trump, Republicans, who stand for civility, who stand for right over wrong and good over evil. And apparently, the Democrat Party has just certified itself as the opposite. As the opposite. There's only one man that would recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. He was told not to by Democrats. He was told not to by Republicans. He was told not to by the media. And he said, it's their capital. It's been their capital for over 3,000 years. And the only reason to say otherwise is to treat them differently than every other country on the face of the earth. And against all lobbying pressure and against all media, he moved our embassy to their now recognized capital. And Trump was attacked for that. He was supported by the Republican Party. He was supported by conservatives. Not Nancy Pelosi, not Chuck Schumer. When I and my family, some of our family, we went to the embassy opening in Jerusalem... I could count two Democrats there, Joe Lieberman and Alan Dershowitz. I didn't see a single elected Democrat in the delegation. Not one. Not Schumer. Not one. Why would that be? Nancy Pelosi traveled to Damascus to meet the butcher, the genocidal maniac in Damascus. She traveled all the way to Damascus 
that were the objections of George W. Bush, our president. Violating the Logan Act, I would say. But she wouldn't go to Jerusalem. Because the Democrat Party has become the home of Islamists like Omar, of Islamists like Talib. The Democrat Party is in bed with front groups like CARE and their alliance with Hamas, a terrorist organization. The Democrat Party is a disgrace. It'll be defended on all the left-wing sites. It's a disgrace. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Three Muslim members of Congress issued a statement declaring victory today. And they happen to be right, by the way. Statement from Representatives Ilyan Omar, Rashida Talib, and Andre Carson. I'm reading from Right Scoop on the House resolution. I quote, They issued the following statement after the House voted overwhelmingly to condemn hate of all kinds. Today is historic on many fronts. It's the first time we have voted on a resolution condemning anti-Muslim bigotry in our nation's history. Anti-Muslim crimes have increased 99%. From 2014 to 2016, and are still on the rise. We are tremendously proud to be part of a body that has put forth a condemnation of all forms of bigotry, including anti-Semitism, racism, and white supremacy. At a time when extremism is on the rise, we must explicitly denounce religious intolerance of all kinds and acknowledge the pain felt by all communities. Our nation is having a difficult conversation, and we believe this is great progress. Ladies and gentlemen, Our nation is not having a difficult conversation. Our nation is a great nation. That's why Muslims from Somalia and Palestinians from the Middle East are trying to come to the United States. That's why people from all over the world are trying to come to the United States. We're not having a difficult conversation. This isn't a conversation, this is propaganda. This is bullcrap. And Nancy Pelosi and her leadership team, such as it is, orchestrated this. So the perpetrator of the hate speech declares victory, and for good reason. She's not mentioned in the resolution. Anti-Semitism that came out of her mouth is not singled out in the resolution. Instead, America is trashed. Exactly what I told you when I came on this program. I read the resolution. I said, they're attacking us. They're attacking the American people. They're attacking our country. That's how they get around this? Rather than pointing directly at the bigot? They didn't do this or wouldn't do this for David Duke or anybody else. Or anybody else. That's not how they treated Steve King. She's empowered by this, don't you know? So are all the other nut jobs out there. They're empowered by this. This is great. They're great Nancy Pelosi. Great strategist. So strong. Nancy's back. And she was just taken down 
by a two-bit racist Jew-hater backbencher. Nancy Pelosi is too stupid to know that she was just outmaneuvered, just outmaneuvered by Ilhan Omar. And the Democrat Party now has a stain on it. A stain on it that it cannot wash off despite the best efforts of the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, MSLSD, and the Constipated News Network. Despite the left-wing media rockets dancing across the stage, you and I, we're Americans. We think for ourselves. We know what took place here. They pass a resolution trashing America, trashing you, the American people, who are tolerant, who are beneficent, trashing you and me, and giving the bigot a pass. How's that make you feel? I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, that's BrickhouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, BrickhouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. This is the home of the July 4th Americans. And you can call at 877-381-3811. This uh, issue that we've been talking about for a few days now, off and on, actually a few months, really, this is part and parcel of progressivism. The philosophy that stands for the individual is conservatism. It's conservatism. True conservatives are not bigots. People pervert the ideas of conservatism, but true conservatives are not bigots. That's why we support capitalism. When you participate in an economy that's based on free markets, you don't even know who you're trading with. Downstream, you don't know who your customers are. Downstream, because it doesn't matter. You're not boycotting You're engaged. You're engaged. Our governmental system, for all its flaws, and the people who created it, for all their flaws, created a system that could be fixed through an amendment process. And it was. With a massive civil war and three amendments to the Constitution. The so-called Civil War Amendments, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments. 
Our ancestors, or the ancestors of others, have made mistakes. And they're addressed. But they also created a magnificent society. They absolutely did. Which is what draws people from all over the world, third world, developed world, whatever it is, into this country. They want to be in the United States. And yet we have people who come to the United States who want to take advantage of what this nation has to offer. And they do not abandon their old ideas, their old notions. They refuse to assimilate into the American culture. I don't mean honor your own religion and ancestry. I'm all for that. That's not what I'm talking about. That you're an American. And as an American, you should revere and support our institutions instead of trying to destroy them. What you've saw today and what you've seen in the recent past now is an alliance among the progressive radical left, (coughs) the Islamic fundamentalists, and the media. There's an alliance. None of those ideologies, none of those entities promote Americanism, republicanism, individualism, constitutionalism. None of them. The Democrat Party made a choice. This is a seminal moment, ladies and gentlemen. This is why I keep focusing on it. It made a decision today, as it had in the past few weeks. The Democrat Party decided to embrace the bleak side. The dark side. And it has a history doing exactly that. Siding with bigots. Which is exactly what it did today. The... People who run the modern Democrat Party effectively, Omar, Talib, Ocasio-Cortez, they run the modern Democrat Party. They are the modern Democrat Party. They are the modern media. If you cannot stand up and be counted against this, then you are counted with them with them given that there are so many in Congress who advance socialist policies it's no wonder that the president reminds Americans how it is that freedom improves our lives the so-called progressive might control the house but it's still up to us to control them our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check And in order to do that, you must know the legal role of Congress. There's a free, easy way to learn the basics. Through most of March, Hillsdale College is offering their free online course on the powers of the Constitution. That is, the powers the Constitution gives to Congress, and what it doesn't. Hillsdale is on a mission to restore liberty in our great country. So we need to do our part by registering now to take their excellent course on the Congress for free. And then watch it any time that you want to. Take it with your book club, your church group, 
other small groups, or your kids. You'll learn more in each session, all under an hour, than you ever did in school. And you'll be equipped to hold your congressman accountable. Sign up today. It's free. Sign up for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, Levin for Hillsdale.com. Tell me, have they stripped Michael Jackson's name from every public place, every public utterance, every retail store, every list of music played by every radio station, and there's some. Have, have they stripped it? Have they? Isn't that what's supposed to be done? He's said to be a pedophile, or was, by two adult males who say he molested them in the worst way possible when they were children. I think what the left would like to do is take John Wayne's name off that airport, Mr. Producer, and replace it with Michael Jackson. Or, maybe they'll name some bridges and buildings and monuments after Ilion Omar, their new great hero. As I said earlier, the fact that the Democrat Party's been dancing with Louis Farrakhan for decades tells you really all you need to know. It's just that there are liberals in our society who are so stupid, rank-and-file liberals, that they turn a blind eye to it. As long as they can get free this, free that, that's good enough. So they sell their souls. And they have no principles. Who are they? Who are these people who support Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer? Who are these people who support Omar? Who are these people who support Ocasio-Cortez and Talib? Who are these people who support Farrakhan? And go into the voting booth. Some people have wonderful careers. They're professionals. Other people are down and out on their luck. But they go in that voting booth and they vote Democrat over and over and over and over again. Based on what? They stand for the people. Which people? How do they stand for the people? They stand for government. Well, they have compassion. How do they have compassion? How do they have compassion? Well, they stood for civil rights. Well, they stood against civil rights. They stand for the little guy. How so? By destroying job creation? Wealth accumulation? Upward mobility? How so? Who are these people who are so gullible and duped Time and time again. Well, part of them, part of them are called journalists. I don't know why they call themselves journalists anymore. I really don't. They're not journalists. They're propagandists. But that's what they do. Our great media is ignoring serious allegations of campaign fraud against Ocasio-Cortez. Now, why are they doing that? If it was Donald Trump's third cousin, 12 times removed, they wouldn't ignore it. In fact, they'd blame Donald Trump. So why are they ignoring this? And her chief of staff. 
They retained control of a group called Justice Democrats PAC, as the Daily Caller writes, a great website, which is credited with propelling Ocasio-Cortez to victory while running to unseat incumbent Democrat Joe Crowley in 2018. Former FEC commissioners told the DCNF that if Ocasio-Cortez's campaign was operating in affiliation with the PAC, the former bartender would be opened up to massive reporting violations. Is the Southern District of New York investigating this? I mean, Ocasio-Cortez, seems to me, would be within their jurisdiction. Are they? And if not, why not? And why aren't the Democrats and liberals on TV squawking about it? The report also noted that Ocasio-Cortez and her chief of staff did not disclose their control of Justice Democrats to the FEC. Experts say it could be a felony if Ocasio-Cortez and her chief of staff knowingly and intentionally withheld this information to skirt campaign contribution limits. PACs and campaigns must share a contribution limit when being controlled by the same person or group of persons. Is she under investigation? Why are there no calls in the liberal media to investigate her? No calls for a criminal investigation. No calls to the Southern District of New York. Why is that? Why isn't that fat slob Carl Bernstein worked up about this? Or that sleazeball Jeffrey Tubin? Or the mediate fraud, Dan Abrams? Why aren't they all worked up about this? Where's the clown Chris Cuomo? of the traveling clown family known as the Cuomos. Where are they? Where's Mr. Don Lemon, who insists on equality? Of course, I do too. But apparently not here. He doesn't think she should be criminally investigated because he hasn't said a damn thing. So much for equality, huh, Donnie? The media has, really it's have, plural, the media have ignored the explosive allegation. Instead, lumping it in with a complaint to the FEC that Ocasio-Cortez's chief of staff funneled nearly a million bucks from PACs he controlled to private LLCs that he also controlled. That complaint was outlined in a report by the Washington Examiner, but it's a separate issue from the allegations laid out by the DCNF. NBC News fact-checked the FEC complaint by the National Legal and Policy Center, reaching the conclusion that there's no evidence of wrongdoing. But in their fact check, NBC News lied. They lied. They falsely claimed that there was an inquiry from an editor at the DCNF, but still did not accurately characterize the reporting. One conservative outlet su- <laughs> suggested the freshman representative could face jail time over ties to the PAC, NBC reporter Jane Tim claimed. The issue cited in the report, that is the filing, is Ocasio-Cortez's legal control over the PAC, not her ties to it. Oh, look, do you expect the media to get it right when they went after Nicholas Sandman, that kid, the way they did? And by the way, tremendous life, liberty, and Levin this Sunday on Fox, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Lynn Wood, who has rarely sat down for a full hour with anyone. And he told me the last time he did it was decades ago. For a full hour. And he is spectacular. And the Washington Post better be listening. 
And there's one cable channel, one cable network, where he will announce that he's suing them too next Monday or Tuesday. You won't want to miss this. The Washington Compost also reported on the FEC complaining conspicuously left out any mention of the allegations in the report. So they're in full cover-up mode for Ocasio-Cortez. But they want Donald Trump's high school transcript. They wanted Kavanaugh's high school transcript. But when it comes to Ocasio-Cortez, they don't even care if she went to high school. They don't even care if there is a transcript. They don't even care if she committed a felony. What do you say, you fat slob Carl Bernstein? Where's the donuts? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, if there's one thing we've seen today, yesterday, past few weeks and months, is that the media suck. If you really want to get news, you better not go to these so-called news places, because you're not going to get news. There's never been a more important time for shows like Levin TV, and I want you to know, it's March 7th. We launched Levin TV three years ago to the day. So we're starting our fourth year right now. We've done almost 600 TV shows in three years, 572 to be specific. That's almost 200 shows a year. One person, me, with our magnificent crew, magnificent staff. And if you haven't participated in this, you really should, because I'm not going to do this forever. I can't. We are pioneers here. We are blazing a trail, hence the name Blaze TV. We are creating an alternative to the unreality of CNN and MSNBC and all the rest of it. A place where you can go to get accurate information, as well as analysis that you will not see anywhere else. And I get into history and economics and philosophy and all sorts of things you won't see on regular TV, which is quite irregular TV. This is a very expensive proposition. It requires a lot of upfront capital, but we've been willing to do it. We've been willing to do it. And really, the levers of control over Levin TV and our Blaze TV network, the levers are in your hands. Because if you don't like what we do, then you leave. Then you don't resubscribe or you don't subscribe at all. But you've asked me over and over again during my radio career, what can we do about this? What can we do about it? And we heard it yesterday. What we need to do is compete. Is to go around the propagandists and the demagogues is to communicate with each other. That was the purpose of the original pamphleteers. That was the purpose of the relatively few newspapers that existed prior to the Revolutionary War leading to the Revolutionary War. 
the whole purpose of a free press is not to give a platform to these malcontents and miscreants to mislead you and lie to you. The purpose of a free press in whatever form it's in is to promote communication among patriots. It's to undergird our republic. It's to advance the cause of liberty and the civil society. You're not getting that from most of the media today. And so while Levin TV has been on the air now for three years, the vast majority of you have not subscribed yet, and we've tried multiple ways to get you. I hope you'll give it a shot tonight. Call 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV, or go to blazetv.com slash levin, blazetv.com slash levin. We've got all kinds of discounts and promotions going on, and we created this specifically for my audience. Jump in. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, Our folks at the uh, Daily Caller, friends there, Chuck Ross, among others. CNN adds major update to Michael Cohen's story. CNN, folks, is so sloppy, so dishonest, so ideological. It's hard to even keep track of all their mistakes or falsities. Cohen said in a public House Oversight Committee hearing last week that one of Trump's lawyers, Jay Sekulow, made changes to his testimony. You remember the Democrats jumping up and down? There were changes made, additions, Jay Sekulow, for one, Cohen said. There were several changes that were made, including how we were going to handle that message, which was the message, of course, being the length of time that the Trump Tower Moscow project stayed and remained alive. There's even a commentator, I'm sad to say, on Fox News who keeps saying, that's a bombshell, or that's another shoe that's dropped. But his legal analysis, unfortunately, is typically wrong. 
Cohen pleaded guilty in the special counsel's investigation on November 29 to making several false statements in his House and Senate intelligence testimony, including that he ended negotiations to build a Trump Tower in Moscow in January 2016. Instead, Cohen continued working on the project through June 2016. CNN's initial report raised the possibility that Trump's lawyer suborned perjury from Cohen, who will begin a three-year prison term on May 6. But CNN ran an update at 7.35 p.m. Eastern Time that drastically changed the implications for its story. The notorious Lanny Davis, an attorney for Cohen, told CNN that Cohen himself, and not a Trump lawyer, claimed in a draft of his 2017 testimony that the Trump Tower negotiations ended in January 2016. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's not a little mistake. That is a big mistake. Because CNN had just claimed that a Trump lawyer had altered Cohen's testimony based on what Cohen said. That the negotiations ended on 2016. But Trump's lawyer did no such thing. Cohen's lawyer at the time of his initial testimony, Stephen Ryan, helped him edit the document. Not a Trump lawyer. Ryan shared the draft with other lawyers who were party to a joint defense agreement with Cohen. Those lawyers provided suggested changes with Cohen and Ryan approved, CNN sources said. The lawyers involved in editing Cohen's testimony had no indication the initial draft had inaccurate information, according to the updated report. So this is not the first time CNN has published a story in the midst of closed-door House intelligence testimony that turned out to be wrong. They get these leaks from the likes of Adam Schiff and others, and they run with them. The same two reporters who worked on the Cohen story that they got wrong reported on December 8, 2017, that Donald Trump Jr. received an email on September 4, 2016, containing a link to a batch of WikiLeaks documents. That story was also considered a bombshell because the WikiLeaks emails had not been made public when Trump Jr. purportedly received the email. Here's the problem. Hours later, Trump Jr.'s lawyer released the actual email, which showed that Trump Jr. received the document on September 14, 2016, a day after WikiLeaks published the documents linked in the email. Why is CNN so hell-bent on destroying this president and his family? This is a legitimate question. CNN is hell-bent And so they jump with stories like this, which is quite appalling. But never mind, they want to get Trump. They're going to investigate Trump. Nancy Pelosi was asked at her weekly press conference if the Democrats and their probes are an overreach. Here's what she said. Cut 11, go. The House wants investigations on Trump. What kind of evidence does the uh, House right now have on Trump to launch all these investigations on on him? And couldn't this possibly be an overreach? And no, no, this is our uh, constitutional uh, responsibility to have oversight over the executive. No, but no, no, no. But going after his family, his campaign manager, his pollster, various executives in his private business—that's not a constitutional responsibility. You wouldn't know the Constitution if it hit you in your face. You have no idea what's in the Constitution. 
For decades, we've been trying to speak to this woman. She won't speak to me. I'd love to test her on the Constitution. Go ahead. And the evidence that they will have is what they will gather doing the oversight, bringing truth to the American people. The purpose of a congressional hearing is not to gather evidence, ladies and gentlemen. It's to gather information that relates to a public policy matter about which Congress is considering legislating. It's not about evidence gathering. Go ahead. I salute the committee for the action that they have taken. If we were not to Now, she salutes the committee. She sat down with the chairman. They went over what he's going to do at her direction. And then she salutes the committee. Nancy Pelosi, who has no guts whatsoever when it comes to Omar is a tough guy now, see. Go ahead. As oversight over the executive branch, we would be delinquent in our duties. You're delinquent in your intelligence. You're not delinquent in your duties. How stupid is that? How stupid is that? The reporter tried but missed, and what the reporter should have said is, what in the world are you doing by asking Eric and Donald Trump Jr., and potentially Ivanka, says Nadler, to testify before Congress to be to provide you with information. Why would you do that to the children of a president? God bless me. But that's not the worst of it. Their war on Fox continues. If you don't think that Tom Perez isn't the lapdog for Pelosi and Schumer and the rest, then you're mistaken. So they have a war on Fox, a war on the president, as they build up to the election with their opposition research, among other things. Here's Tom Perez on MSLSD. Go. Our second North Star principle in these debates is to make sure that whichever network runs them ensures that our candidates are treated fairly. That's not what he means. He wants people who are going to ask questions who are going to kiss their ass. Let's be honest. We want to make sure they're treated fairly, you know. Go ahead. You had the video before of Chris Wallace. I have great respect for Chris Wallace. And my concern is not about Chris Wallace. It's about people above Chris Wallace. Because what we have seen now, uh, and it's been really most recently now in the uh, New Yorker story, is that at the highest levels of Fox News, uh, they're not playing it straight. What does that mean? Does Zucker talk to Democrats on Capitol Hill? Yes, he does. Does Jake Tapper? Yes, he does. Does Don Lemon? Yes, he does. Chris Cuomo? Of course. He even talks to his brother, which is no easy task. Get to talk slowly and in short words. So this is a fraud. And, of course, the writer of the New Yorker piece, Jane Meyer Mayer, she's a fraud. She's creepy. She's a left-wing hack. In every respect. So that's exactly what they want. People like that. Go ahead. And again, this isn't about Chris Wallace. I ah, have shut rest- up, you idiot. We know the news part of Fox is great. The opinion side of Fox is awful. And you even have people on the news side. Yeah, that's about right. You don't agree to divide the house, Fox, and allow the left and other networks and Democrats to turn one side against the other. 
And yet there seems to be some of that going on, as I see. We don't have a problem with, uh, you know, Chris Wallace. We have a problem with management. We have a problem with uh, Hannity. We have a problem with Tucker. We have a problem with Ingram. Uh, we have a problem with the Fox and Friends. We have a problem with him. Joe Scarborough, no problem with him. He's a favorite of the North Korean generals, and he's a favorite of ours. Chris Matthews, you know, political. No problem with him. Rachel Matt, no problem. Sharpton, no problem. Tapper, no problem. Right? So we now have a situation where a party is choosing which news outlets can do what. And there's no problem. The Democrats could care less in the media. They're fine with that. All right. I want to go to Mike. He called us yesterday from Los Angeles, 870 The Answer. Go ahead, Mike. Hi, uh, Mark. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I just wanted to reflect on what we were uh, discussing we were discussing on the radio yesterday. I am, um, full disclosure, a card-carrying liberal. It's very hard to hear you because it sounds like a speaker. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, just really quick, my background, I am a card-carrying liberal, just full disclosure. I started listening to your show one year ago, and I've really started to gain a lot of respect and appreciation for you and your audience. And not that you need validation, but I need to tell you, you are 100% correct on what's going on in my party. It's been infiltrated by anti-Semites, and it's terrifying, and it's real. And, and, and I just wanted to just let your audience know that I'm actually now coming to your radio station to hear the support of Israel and the Jewish uh, people, and it's comforting to know, and I never thought I would ever experience this on the right and the conservative side of the party, and I was wrong. I used to laugh at you when you were telling me that there were anti-Semites in the Democratic Party, and you're 100% correct. Um, and, and, and are you still there? I'm, sorry. I'm listening to every word. I'm very nervous. So, but Don't be. Here's how, it, here's how it starts, and I'm all over all the social media channels. It always starts with this. I am not anti-Jewish. I am anti-Zionist. Then it turns into, I am not anti-Israel. I am anti-Netanyahu. Then it turns into, I am not anti-Jewish. I am anti-Israel. And then you get some schmuck who will post on the social media saying, Jews control the world. They control finance and the media. And then suddenly you get 400 thumbs up, and when you look back, it's all these people who are claiming they're not anti-Jewish. My party has been infiltrated by anti-Semites. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's disturbing, and I don't want you to, and I know you won't, but your audience, if there's anyone who has any doubts of, you know, maybe Jewish people are a little sensitive. Why do they keep reflecting back on the Holocaust? Why are we sensitive? There's a reason, because since the time of Christ, we have been... We have been the scapegoat for all the trouble in the world. Before the time of Christ. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it's the Spanish Inquisition, right? The things going on in Russia. No, right? the Persians and the Romans. Yes. And, and this is why we're a little bit sensitive, and we, we, it's important for us to have our identity. Well, what do, you, what do you think about what the Democrat Party did today? You know, I had on my... Sunday uh, Fox program, which you should also watch, I think, Mike. I had a fellow by the name of Brandon Strzok on the program. Democrat, gay, voted for Obama, voted for Hillary, then really started to look into this stuff, and he said, wait a minute. Trump did not say 
what they said he said in the context in which they he said it. Moreover, I have allowed myself to be brainwashed. I don't think outside of what I'm being told. And he started to read. He started to think. He started to look. And he said, conservatives aren't attacking me because of my homosexuality. Conservatives aren't pushing me around. Conservatives aren't bullying me. Conservatives aren't doing any of these things. And yet I was raised and, and, and uh, you know, in, in college, in the high school, and so on, to believe that there the, were these awful people who were going to put upon me. And the truth is, Mike... It's the opposite. Live and let live. It doesn't mean we don't promote our moral beliefs. Of course, everybody should promote their moral beliefs. But when you talk about smaller government, when you talk about a a diversified government, when you talk about checks and balances, you're opposed to the centralized iron fist. And what you're seeing right now is the centralized iron fist of the Democrat Party And today they buckled. They sold out, accusing all Americans of racism and anti-Semitism and homophobia and homophobia and xenophobia and all the rest of the phobias and isms to attack the American people rather than focus on the perpetrator is a complete sellout. Yeah, and I heard from the screener that that all passed. I was at work, and I was was surprised. And and, and Mark, I'm being very truthful. Half the time, I spend yelling at my radio back at you. But recently, you're right. You are right. Like, it's it's not BS. Like, what is going on is... Mike, can I tell you a little secret? This is the truth. I want everyone to know. I'm a public figure. You'll be shocked at the threats I get. You'll be shocked at who I get the threats from. You'll be shocked at the efforts to destroy every business I'm in, the broadcast business. You'll be shocked who tries to shut down my free speech. It's either the Klansmen, the neo-Nazis, or the hard left. And they all act the same way, at least toward me. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. But, but that's where it is, is that... We're sensitive as, as as Jews because it's all around us. And, 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 and like you said, it's either the So what are you going to do now? You're going to do join the walkaway movement where former liberals are saying, you know what? That's enough. I'm walking away. What are you going to do? No. Yeah, Mark, it's a great question. I... So I want your answer when we return, not not as a uh, not as a ploy for the audience. I don't need that because I have a uh, a hard break. Hold on, Mike. We'll be right back. Mike, we have one minute. You're liberal Democrat. You uh, are Jewish. You saw what the Democrat Party did today and over the course of a week. Now, what are you going to do about it? Great question. I am absolutely going to not be a Democrat anymore. I'm not going to go as far as to say that I'm going to cross party lines because, honestly, there's a lot of views I have that don't jive with conservatism. But I am not going to stop beating this drum. I am going to be loud and vocal about this. I'm going to start contributing to more that supports Israel. Um, and and the, the Jewish nation, um, but that that's all I got right now. Because I'll be honest, this is this is real. I mean, I've been part of the Democrat Party for 15 years, and I'm kind of without a party right now. So I don't know fully what my next move. Are, are is. you aware that every single Democrat running for president, Biden hasn't said anything, but every other one who has spoken has backed up Omar. 
Yes, fully aware of it. That's why I'm not part of this party anymore. I won't be. But, again, I, there's certain views I have that I know doesn't gel with, with conservatism and Republican, and that's where I got to figure that I got to figure that part. Well, next time you call, and I hope you do, I want to explore those with you, too, because you might be closer than you think. <laughs> you might be closer than you think. You never know. Yeah, if, you yeah. allow, if you allow your mind to function, seriously, if you, allow, if you allow your mind to go to places it hasn't gone before, I believe that light bulb will go on, Mike, because you sound like you're a pretty sharp dude. Thanks for your call. When we come back... Two victories in a row, Convention of States, Article 5. Mark, what can we do? I want you to listen. We will have a great guest, Mark Meckler, Convention of States. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. All right, we have Mark Meckler, who's in charge of Convention of States, a great organization. How are you, Mark, and what's going on? I'm doing great, and man, a lot is going on all over the country right now, Mark. Well, tell us of some of your victory, vic- victories recently. Yeah, the last few weeks have been incredible. So in Arkansas, three weeks ago, we passed. That became state number 13. Really exciting, great grassroots effort there. Great senator and representative leading the charge. So that was kind of the way we started the season. I was in Arkansas a few different times, really fun. This week was Utah. So I was in Salt Lake City, and we passed. We had a great senator and Vickers in the Senate that got it out of the Senate. We had Representative Merrill leading the charge in the House. So two nights ago, they literally suspended the rules, did a special vote, and it was a big win. It wasn't even close. We won 42 to 32 in the Utah House, and that made it uh, that's state number 14. So where we're headed right now is into West Virginia and Mississippi. Iowa is going. Kansas is going. So there's a lot of stuff going on everywhere right now. Let me ask you a question. Let's let's uh, circle back to Utah for a minute. Sure. What is Mitt Romney's position, if any, on Convention of States? You know, I haven't seen him take a solid position, but he apparently got asked about it in in some meeting in the last few weeks, and and indicated just sort of vague support. I mean, there was nothing super specific. I wouldn't say he endorsed it, but he certainly didn't take any kind of position against it. What about um, Mike Lee? You know, I'm really excited about this, Mark. He was actually there last week when I was there. I didn't get to meet with him. I know you've talked to Mike a lot. He was actually uh, very helpful. And the way he was helpful is there were people, Eagle Forum, who we've talked about as an opponent of this. And uh, so they had been using his name, saying that he was against it. He actually said to a lot of the representatives, anybody who says I'm against this, uh, they're using my name incorrectly. That's not true. I haven't taken a position, but I'm definitely not against it. So that was really helpful to us. There are a couple of representatives actually turned their votes on that. Mm-hmm. So you think Lee is leaning towards it now? Well, you know, I don't want to speak for him, and I don't want to say he's leaning towards it, but he definitely said he's not opposed. And so I was just really pleased because there were representatives that had heard that he was opposed. Uh, and I know, look, there's a long history there. I know his dad was opposed at one point. I know he's been considering it. I know he read your book. I think he's read Tom Coburn's book. So what I see in Mike is a guy who's actually doing the analysis and considering. He definitely says he's not opposed any longer. 
That's good. Now, you say you're moving. What's the next state? You mentioned three. Is it, is it West Virginia? I think West Virginia is next. There's likely to be a vote in the House tomorrow. Their session ends on Saturday, so sometimes these guys push us to the very end and we time out. I'm a little worried about that. We really had a miracle in committee. I was in committee there this week at the beginning of the week on Monday. I literally sat there, Mark, from 7.45 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night, never knowing when they were going to hear it. Literally couldn't even go eat because they wouldn't tell us. They weren't that cooperative, the chairman of the committee. The chairman ultimately voted against us, and I was just praying for a positive vote. We needed 13. I had 11 that I could, could actually account for. And, man, adding a couple in committee is hard. And we ended up winning 13 to 12. Really great delegate there sponsoring us who's in charge of the thing. That's Marshall Wilson. And i got to tell you, there's an interesting dynamic there. there you know, uh, we've got Shelley Moore Capito is the senator, one of the senators from West Virginia. Her son is a delegate in the House there. I think he's an up-and-comer, and he actually split from the committee chair. He's the vice chair, and he split and voted for it. He was the vote that put us over, so I'm, I'm very happy with his leadership. Now, what's happened in Arizona? So Arizona, we did pass. Uh, you and I, as, as you know, we butted heads pretty hard with Andy Biggs when he was there as the Senate president, and he held us up for three years. Uh, the second that he left the Senate, we passed. So we're done in Arizona. We're good to go. <laughs> And it was literally, it was easy the next year, Mark. It just wasn't a problem. What's the likelihood, the likelihood that 20 states will adopt this resolution in the next maybe two years? I, I mean, I hate to say 100%, but I would say I'm 90% confident that by the end of 2020, we'll be at 20 states. Like, I, we're very likely to get West Virginia. I mean, it could go either way, but if, if we get out of the House tomorrow... The Senate president assured me himself that they'll just do it on a voice vote. They'll pass it. They passed it two years in a row. So that would be number 15. Right behind that is Mississippi. In Mississippi, Mark, I have the best whip count ever. I have every single senator on board except for one. Unfortunately, that one, his name is Tullison. He's in charge of the committee, and he won't let us out of committee. And the real key here, I would tell you, in Mississippi, and this is interesting, is the lieutenant governor. He runs the Senate. His name is Tate Reeves. He's running for governor. He's told me, point blank, I sat with him, he looked me in the eye, said he supports. Everybody knows Reeves is the key. If he says it goes, it goes. Right now we're stuck in committee there. So I think we get it out of committee there. I absolutely am sure we passed the Senate. We've passed the House by like a 30, 35 vote margin before so we can get it done. Tate Reeves is the key. Are they still, the opponents who claim to be conservatives, still with the fear-mongering, still that it's a constitutional convention? Is that, is that their basic argument? Yeah, it's the runaway argument, Mark, and, and we've proven it's not true. We've given them all the evidence we need. Rob Nadelson's written a great book on it. Uh, Mike Ferris has written a book on it. Obviously, your book is out there that disproved it from the very beginning, but they just keep saying it. They just keep repeating the leftist talking points. And I'll give you a great example. In Iowa, we're really stuck right now. Last year, the Senate promised to do it. We passed it two years in a row in the House. The Senate burned me last year. The Senate President, Jack Whitver, told me point blank, yeah, we're going to get it done this year, and then they let the time run out. They never even did a vote on it. Today, right now, what we have is this gal. Her name is Tamara Scott. She runs Concerned Women for America. I think mm-hmm. we can call them, if she's any example, Unconcerned Women for America. Mm-hmm. She's also involved with Iowa Faith and Freedom. She's running around scaring everybody off, and apparently everybody in Iowa is afraid of this Tamara Scott. That she, She's really the issue, I've been told. And she's running around. Why? What is, what is her motivation? Yeah, 
it's a runaway convention. We're going to lose our Constitution. All right, let me, let me tell, tell the public something here. It is a meeting of states who agree to meet on specific subject matters. That's just the beginning. Whatever comes out of this meeting, this convention of states, still has to go back to the states to be ratified either by a vote of the legislatures or a convention within the state as any other amendment. So if Congress, two-thirds of both houses of Congress, pass a proposed amendment, goes to the states, and you need 38 states to ratify. This process is actually better. It's the states, not Congress, saying, hey, we need to look at these areas. Here's how we want to fix these areas. It's not coming from Washington, Congress. It's coming from state legislatures. We want to fix these areas. 34 states necessary to have the meeting. 38 states, just like the other process, to ratify. It's in the Constitution. That's why we call it Article 5. It was adopted within a few days at the end of the Constitutional Convention. So when you have people running around saying, woe is me, the sky is falling, and so understand they're not constitutionalists. They're not following the Constitution. In the meantime, the Constitution's being changed almost daily by the courts, by Congress. We're trying to go through the proper mechanism, which they refuse to do. And this proper mechanism is now attacked as a constitutional convention, which it's not. You can't have a constitutional convention anymore. It's a convention, a meeting of states. That's all it is. And they attack it, and they have no answer for how we're supposed to control what the courts do, or how we're supposed to control what Congress does by statute through the back door. They have no answer to this process, do they, Mark Meckler? They don't. And even worse, Mark, these, these groups, Eagle Forum and the John Birch Society and Concerned Women for America, they are now tools for the radical left. They're actually... I don't want to say that they're, they're cooperating with them, but they are using the same talking points. Every single radical leftist group in America signed a press release against what we're doing. I'm talking the Soros funded groups, Common Cause, Planned Parenthood, La Raza, MoveOn.org, Daily Cause, every public employee union. They've all signed a press release against what we're doing. They're public about this. So all of these people are essentially holding hands with the radical left, keeping us from using the tool that the founders gave us to prevent a runaway federal government. Mm-hmm. And it's really crazy. I mean, they're these so-called conservative groups, and there's very few of them. Let's be honest. There's not a lot of them, but they're very loud. These these groups uh, have, as you point out, they're really throwing in with big labor, the big environmental movement, all those entities that are perfectly happy with abandoning the Constitution, eviscerating the Constitution through non-constitutional means. They're really throwing in with them, aren't they? They are, and they're, they're fogging the issue, Mark. Look, all we're trying to do here with this Convention of States, with our resolution, the only things that can be talked about are things that would put fiscal restraints on the federal government, things that would impose <coughs> term limits on the federal government, and things that would limit the scope and power of the federal government. That's all that can be talked about at this convention. Where are the Koch brothers on this? They haven't weighed in at all. I've never heard from them. I get accused all the time that I'm a tool of the Koch brothers. I don't know the Koch brothers. They haven't weighed in at all. Not involved in it. Well, you favor open borders? Are you a tool of the Koch brothers? <laughs> Apparently. Look, Mark, the best tweet I've ever received is somebody told me that I was supported by the Koch brothers and George Soros. I thought, man, that's a miracle. <laughs> All right. Keep up the good work. Say hi to your lovely bride from me. And, uh, and we, we appreciate you giving us an update. Same to you, Mark. God bless you, brother. And God bless you, too. Making some nice, steady progress over there. 
and you'll see they'll come under vicious attack very shortly. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Are you looking for an immunity boost? I know I always am, and my go-to is Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Now, Field of Greens is also a natural source of vitamins and minerals, supports healthy metabolism, and even contains prebiotics and probiotics. Plus, Field of Greens tastes good. Just one scoop in your juice, milk, milk substitutes, even water. You've got a serving of both fruits and vegetables. It's that easy. Read all of their five-star reviews, like this one from Richard H. Field of Greens actually works. This is the first superfood that actually does what it claims to do when taken daily. I feel that I have so much more energy and even a happier outlook on life. I add mine to my morning oatmeal. Yeah, it turns it green, but the laugh is on anyone who has not tried it. Folks, try it. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, all one word. Get 15% off your first order just for trying it out. Again, promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com, promo code LEVIN. I really want you to give it a shot. BrickHouseLevin.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N. And by the way, a recent study shows Americans are sleeping less than ever, even though Lack of sleep ruins your performance and impacts your relationships. It's time to improve every aspect of your life by getting the best sleep of your life on a brand new set of Bolin Brand sheets. They're the softest, most comfortable, 100% pure organic cotton sheets in the world. And I'm telling you the truth. Hundreds of thousands of Americans sleep better thanks to Bolin Branch. And then there's three presidents who love it too. But more than that, Take it from me. I have them. I love them. All of their products, from the signature soft sheets to the cozy throw blankets to their plush towels, are made the right way, not the easy way. These are naturally derived products made with the highest level of craftsmanship. And every purchase comes with a 30-day risk-free trial. This is important. Have you ever bought sheets before? Or... Uh, throw blankets or plush towels with a 30-day risk-free trial? Well, now you can. Plus, get 50 bucks off your first set of sheets, plus free shipping at BowlandBranch.com with promo code MARK. That's B-O-L-L, Bowl, B-O-L-L and Branch.com, promo code MARK for $50 off. BowlandBranch.com, promo code MARK. I had a friend of mine... I'm walking our dogs. I had a friend of mine come up to me and say, you know what? I got the Bolin Branch sheets. I said, yeah, you were right. I'm always right about this stuff. I always try it. I always vet it. And then I want to make it available to you, too. All right, let's go to Elliot, Concord, New Hampshire. Serious satellite who disagrees with me. Go ahead. Hi, Mark. Um, I'm actually a big fan of the show. Thank you. Um, Thank when you. I heard Thank about the Convention of States a few years ago, slow I down, very slow excited. down, slow down, slow down. Go ahead. Yeah, I heard about the Convention of States a few years ago. I yes. got very excited. I was yes. living in New York at the time. I right. volunteered to be a captain precinct initially, and then I started thinking about how exactly the delegates or the delegation from each state would be chosen. And just to double check with you, it's not yet exactly clear, right? Each state could choose it, however the states decide. Well, the states. 
together have to decide, and what they've come up with is that the state legislatures decide. Okay, so so each state legislature, from being involved in politics for a few years, it seems that almost every state in the country has a, a pre-statist, pretty authoritarian, socialist legislature. But how do you recommend of, they uh, choose them? What would you do, have a lottery? Take homeless people no, off the street? Go to McDonald's? Yeah. How would you pick them? No, that's my point. I think the legislature would choose statists, even in the best states. I think the people, by popular election, would choose even worse statists. Well, then there's I no point. So you have nothing to fear. If they're going to pick statists. Statists would obviously sabotage the process, but that's not how it works. When you have a political momentum like this, the governor is not even involved in this. You have conservatives, for the most part, constitutionalists who are pushing for this against rhinos. It's not going to burp up a statist. People who are elected to the United States Senate today are elected statewide. That's not the choice with the legislature choosing delegates the way the legislature originally was supposed to choose senators. So it's a totally different process. Yeah, so even the legislators here in New Hampshire, for instance, even in Wyoming, even in uh, Texas, most of the legislators, the state senators and state representatives, seem to be pretty socialist authoritarian. No, listen, uh, sir, 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 sir. Most of them are not socialist authoritarian in the Texas state legislature. I don't even know who you're talking about. They have a great governor there, a great lieutenant governor there. They have excellent representatives who could uh, participate in this process in the state Senate and in the House. Who are you talking about? So, if, if Who are you talking about? You don't I, even I, know I, who you're talking about. You're just throwing generalizations around. So states are passing increasingly leftist, socialist, authoritarian laws. Some states are. Some states aren't. Look, states have got to take the power back. There's no other way. There's no other way. Not plebiscites, God forbid. Thank God we don't have them. There's no other way. And while you say states are more and more authoritarian, they're also more and more protective of their authority. And what we're talking about here is term limits, limiting the federal government's budget, doing all those things, not not empowering states to be more authoritarian, empowering them to make the federal government less authoritarian. Yeah, I hope you're right about states, about state legislators wanting to empower the 10th Amendment and uh, give themselves more power. Well, they don't have to empower the 10th Amendment. By using Article 5, they're exercising their authority under the 10th Amendment. You really got to get your thoughts straight here. And then you're, you're throwing around terms. Well, empower the 10th Amendment. They're specific. The, the, the Convention of States doesn't say we're going to have a convention to empower the 10th Amendment. They're exercising their Article 5 powers for specific subject matter areas to not just empower the states, but to limit the federal government, thereby empowering the individual. But if it's your view that every legislature is lost, that every legislature is status and socialist, that every legislature, then you might as well move to Bermuda. Well, I thought more what are you doing in New Hampshire, for God's sakes? What's that? Why are you in New Hampshire? Well, actually, I think that's maybe the only state that could be saved. The oh, really? Eventually going to be destroyed. Yep. I see. Well, why aren't you in another state like Utah or Idaho or one of the states that don't need to be saved? No, I think every state... All right, thank you for your call. I've spent enough time on this. If it's your purpose to jump off the roof, go ahead, but don't make us all jump off with you. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. 
We have a great Levin TV tonight. I hope you'll check it out. And I'll be right here behind the microphone tomorrow. We can discuss this and other things as well. Have a wonderful evening.